of Friends Film, where we bring latest movie news and reviews of the biggest new release, which this week is How to Train Dragon, The Hidden World. As always, I'm your host, Cooper Wood, and this week I'm joined by Josh Straley. Hello, everybody. Hello, Cooper. How you doing? Doing great. Um, it's Oscar, post-Oscar, Oscar Monday. Yeah. Boxing Day for the Oscars. Um, for people listening, yes. Exactly. For us, we are four hours away from the ceremony. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, but congrats to all of the winners, those specific ones who didn't win, I'm really mad about. And wow, the no host thing was a disaster. Or was it Oprah Winfrey as a surprise host? There's a theory out there about that. That would be crazy. I kind of hope that's the case. Gail needs to be there as well. We'll find out. We'll find out soon enough. I can't wait. <laughs> or and, you will have already found out. <laughs> exactly. And if you're wanting to know um, about all of the Oscar winners, say you missed it, take a look at our Twitter feed, at Friends in Film. There you'll find tweets about all of the Oscar winners. But if you're looking for our reviews on some of those Oscar movies, you can find those on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, anywhere your podcasts are. But if you can, on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review us. That'll ultimately help rank us, and then we can find more friends of the show. Yeah, like Colton Leakty, who is here <laughs> once again. Hey, guys, I'm happy to be friends of the show and everything. I I was promised that we were going to be reviewing The Last Jedi, though. Oh. Not How to Train Your Dragon. So I'm going to skip on this. Oh, but okay. I'll be back when you guys do a list. Have, have you been sure. here this whole time? <laughs> Every time. Oh, that's right. We've been over this, Josh. You're I, behind the vents. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I make myself present when I want to. That's why. That's that rattling noise anytime like a Cooper gives off some kind of opinion about Christopher Nolan. It's like, yeah, Dunkirk's the greatest movie we've ever seen. And here I thought it was the ghost. Yeah, no, no, no. It's not the ghost of Nolan. It's just Colin. I'm glad we've solved this. Yes. So before we get into our review of How to Train Dragon three, I think each of us have watched something else besides this hopefully lovely animated movie this past week. So Josh, what is one thing that you have watched recently that the viewers should know about okay the listeners not viewers i want to talk about bad times at the el royale first okay it's like a period drama in some ways but it's also like a murder mystery all laced up and wrapped up drew goddard exceptional work there like every frame is immaculate i would have nominated it for best cinematography honestly I really would have. The script's a little sidewinder, and he doesn't fully commit to the mm-hmm. idea that you laid out. Um, you have a really great review of it, by the way. Oh, thank you. That explains it super well. But he doesn't commit to his uh, multiple narratives. Um, that's sort of like what Tarantino does in The Hateful Eight. Mm-hmm. So that's a problem, but incredible acting. And it kind of feels like a Charles Manson movie. Like, seriously, I would call it Tarantino-esque. And I think Once Upon a Hollywood's going to follow this kind of attitude. Because... Chris Hemsworth is really like a Charles Manson type dude yeah. with his own cult and murder cult and all sorts of things. So it's exceptional. Jeff Bridges, top notch. Yeah. Uh, Colton, anything you watched this past week that um, everybody should know about? I mean, you guys have already heard about Interstellar. I watched, gave that another watch. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I won't get into that. Any okay. insights? I, I mean, I, it's one of my favorite movies ever. Okay. Anything um, new you picked up? Any? Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the kick butt movies. <laughs> I watched those for the first time. Oh, okay. <laughs> really? Yes, the first time. I actually uh, I enjoyed them. I, not the second one so much, but uh, I did enjoy the first one a lot. I saw a lot of uh, stuff that was reminiscent of Kingsman, so mm-hmm. that was great. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like everyone has seen it at this point, but nine years old at this point. Wow. About to be nine years mm-hmm. old. So, um, but yeah, great action. The, it's pretty 
funny too. So is Aaron Taylor Johnson the next Batman? No. Okay. Okay. We'll we'll disagree there, maybe. But uh I watched the latest Dwayne the Rock Johnson movie this past week. Uh, fighting. fighting with my family. Yeah. Mm. I went and saw it in theaters. His role, not very big, obviously. But uh, Florence Pugh is the star of this. She's really good. It's a really uh, nice coming-of-age sports story that there's also some other struggles uh, in there as well. Uh, she plays a wrestler by the name of Paige who kind of rises and goes through all the training to become the next WWE star. And uh, it's really compelling, really interesting. Um, I thought it was really well-directed by Stephen Merchant, the actor who also has a small role in the movie. Um, but yeah, there's, I think if there's a brother sister relationship that could have been, I think a little stronger. Um, but it's, uh, I think it's a nice little window into the wrestling world, which I'm not somebody who's like watches WD. I've, I've never watched it in my life, but like, it's a, it's interesting watching it in this. So if you're a WWE fan, I think you'll uh, really appreciate this one. Is Nick Frost in it that much? He is. I mean, nice. I mean, not like too much. Like him and Lena Headey. They have like a like, funny role. Yeah, like they're they're both nice. really funny. There's an, like they kind of show the f- like a funny exchange in the trailer already with The Rock, but it, it's prolonged in the actual movie, which is which is a nice touch. But let's get into How to Train Dragon Three, the last movie in the How to Train Dragon franchise, we're led to believe that's at least the current plan from director Dean DeBlois and uh, DreamWorks, the studio behind the movie. I gave this a four and a half ticket stub rating on my review that you can find on fencefilm.wordpress.com that calls it a fr- the, that the franchise soars to a moving finale because this is a animated franchise that I've been a big fan of for the last uh, nine years now. And it's kind of grown on me as time's gone on. And you just see, a, I, as somebody who, has a dog if you're a pet owner or an animal lover in any ways uh there's a lot to this movie that you'll just kind of immediately be drawn to and be attracted to and find yourself being invested in this especially if you're somebody who's watched the movies beforehand um and this one really does a nice job of capping off the story telling the latest adventure for hiccup and toothless uh jay burrishells as the voice of hiccup he's great once again and then toothless is just so adorable and uh lovable that it's really impossible not to like him and i thought one of the things that surprised me most about this movie is really how much they put on toothless's shoulders because there's like a good like 15 minute stretch there in the middle of the movie where they go all in on toothless and the the light fury that shows Mm -hmm. up and their romantic relationship and it is maybe the highlight of the film because there's this nice courting dance and then they eventually get to like fly together and interact and it's just like probably the best animated animal love stories since like lion king like between like nala and simba like that i had those vibes immediately as this was all happening no dialogue either yeah Yeah, it's like a pixar animated short Mm -hmm. in that middle and when it started it was like oh this is cute and then it went through and i'm like this is this is really good like i would watch a standalone of just or maybe not a standalone (laughs) but it was excellent right because like they, they they do such a good job of even without the dialogue which is very rare for an animated movie especially for one that has like a animal lead where like the ability to get all of his emotions and thoughts uh, from toothless out there just by his facial expressions and the way he moves or the little, like the little sounds he makes that aren't actually like words, but like you can understand exactly what he's doing and thinking at all times. I think that's a really good credit to Du Bois, the director, um, the animators also deserve a lot of credit as well because this movie is gorgeous, uh, for like 95% of it. There's like a couple of moments where the action's a little too dark. Like I can't, I couldn't really tell, really what was going on but other than that uh the hidden world specifically is just breathtaking to look at so uh 
animation's gorgeous. The characters are really good. The story I thought was uh, a really nice, uh, different direction for the franchise take two because Grimmel I thought was a interesting villain to have here because he doesn't put them on the attack. He puts the people of Burke on the run. And so I liked that like kind of ticking clock aspect of it. Like, Oh, when's Grimmel going to get here next? Is he going to kill him? Is he going to kidnap him? Like, what is he going to do? Um, so I liked that aspect of it instead of just going for the latest, like, all right, I'm a big angry man and I'm going to try to take all the dragons so I can control the world. Like I was mm-hmm. like, I'm not really, I've seen that like once before with Drago with the second movie and I'm fine with that. But like, I was much more interested in Grimmel as just like a, like a Joker esque sort of like villain to like, if Drago's like, bane or somebody for batman <laughs> like yeah there's no grand scheme he's just there to like watch the world right. burn yeah exactly yes so like i really like that aspect i love what they do with toothless and hiccup um in their own individual arcs i thought the side characters were really well handled as well there's only one that kind of got on my nerves a little bit that being uh snot loud voiced by jonah hill but it's okay and i mean other than that this movie is phenomenal it's really really good and yeah four and a half tickets out of five josh i was delighted by it. And I've not had a, I've not, I've been not been a fan of this franchise at all of its phases. The first time I've actually, I've only seen the first film once. I haven't seen the second movie. Didn't watch it in the run up, okay. but was just charmed, you know, incredibly charmed by the movie um, in all phases. And like, I got to like rediscover and like go, Oh wow. They're in this movie too. With like half of the voice cast, uh, like American Ferreira as Astrid. Like I remember, them but i don't remember like who's them like way before i even paid attention to all of this and they have a there's a, a, a slew of great characters kate blanchett as uh hiccup's mom right yes yep. yep uh fantastic um and then like all the way through Kristen wig and jonah hill and like the rest of that gang all all for them like none of them bugged me at all i thought they were welcome comedy relief um through the entire thing uh kit harrington showing up as well like that was kind of I don't know like it, it fit perfectly yeah. as the reformed uh well, it was yeah whatever like the former hunter or whatever mm-hmm. but um you no know, the like you said at the start hiccup and toothless's relationship is like a a diamond and then with all of the other dragons across the island and like especially now because like like they're like they're dealing with overpopulation or whatever like or whatever like that's like a, that's that's their problem. Um, but there's like so many unique dragons all with like their own special like thing, which I kind of forgotten about. And it's, it just, it adds another layer of like unique identifiers. It's like these special things that we all look to like our pets or like animals or anything like that that we own that's, or have or with that, you know, make them unique to us Mm -hmm. even while they're still dogs or dragons or whatever the case is. And though, the movie kind of loses loses like that, that through line I think from the beginning and then picks it back up in the end. Like the adventure in the middle is still exceptionally good, especially like you pointed out with that like that short um, mm-hmm. with Toothless and the Light Fury. They never give her a name. They do, do not. They? I was no. surprised was by like, that. Yeah, because she's never like taken Owned. as somebody's like yeah. dragon, so she doesn't need one, I guess. That's a good point. But yeah, and then also um, F uh, Murray Abraham as Grimmel, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember. I mean, I don't know what the second one was like, but I imagine like another armada came to Burke to kind of like fight them. Basically, a Drag- like, Drago's like a warlord who just like he has his own like army of dragons, and then he wa- he wants to get uh, he has an alpha, like a giant alpha, on his side that can control the dragons, so that way any dragon in his vicinity will listen to his commands. So it was like the rehash of the first one. 
but but with a human that could control the alpha okay yeah. gotcha all right so yeah this is like a little bit more cooler like you said like sending an entire group on the run while you're doing that like it's unique it's a mm-hmm. great way to you know tell a story star wars or drag train your dragon <laughs> animated but i yeah i just did not think i would like it as much as i did um i kind of rolled my eyes at dreamworks animated sequels but these this this one was exceptional um but overall four out of five tickets okay pass. okay cool. well um i'm gonna be uh <laughs> like we always do with reviews i'll be like kind of mimicking some of you guys okay. your guys's thoughts but uh i thought it was heartwarming and heartbreaking at the same time and mm-hmm. a lot of it actually uh it, it was great to just grow with these characters uh, especially hiccup and Tooth- toothless and their relationship um yeah, I, I would say their bond is probably one of the better ones in recent memory mm-hmm. that I can think of, especially in a kids movie like this, um, or I shouldn't call it a kids movie, an <laughs> animated. It's directed at kids, but animated movie, you know. Yeah, you almost hesitate to like jump to Toy Story. Yeah, like, no, I actually um, but, coming out of it, I kind of thought I was like, that's the only thing that could, that's the only like animated trilogy that could really hold a candle to uh, How to Train Your Dragon. I think mm-hmm. right. Um, I thought the it was funny. Um, mm-hmm. particularly I liked um I can't remember who voices them. It used to be T.J. Miller, but I don't think oh, it yeah. was in this one. Nope. Uh, T.J. Tough Nut. T.J.'s gone. Yeah, <laughs> after all, but uh, that, yeah, other stuff all that happened. Stuff, but yeah, like the the beard gag I thought was yeah. great. Um, they kept bringing that back throughout the movie. I liked it every time. I laughed. <laughs> um, I just liked for him specifically. Like he was probably my favorite side character because yeah. he got to do like the marriage counselor yeah. thing, <laughs> which I was like, I like, I like that mm-hmm. part. Yeah. And then I would say, uh, this is a, this is where I differ a little bit from you guys. I think if I have to choose a negative, I would say the villain, um, he did, he reminded me like of Craven kind of from Spider-Man. Okay. Just like how he was just like always wanting to be on the hunt. I liked the whole aspect of getting them out, but like, I don't really have too many negatives with this villain. I just thought he was kind of forgettable. But that's okay. just that's just me. Um, I I liked Drago a lot better as a villain. I know you I know you guys said about him being just like the behemoth overlord right. guy, but um, I don't know. I thought he worked with, well with the second one. He seemed menacing enough to me, um, mm-hmm. especially after rewatching all these movies before the third one. I, he just stood out as like a better villain to me out of that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, uh, pacing perfect. Yep. It felt like a breezy short movie final 15 minutes of the movie just uh remind us why we get invested in film at all like just the yeah just all that payoff the emotional payoff that it gives don't want to get too much into it until spoilers yeah we'll get into it uh yeah my final rating though four and a half out of five all right so uh at least as we move into spoilers here i think for me it's my favorite movie of the year so far Uh, i don't i mean ditto i think it'll remain high enough up there to probably when we do like our best of 2018 or best of 2019 lists uh next year like i think that'll probably be one that's should still be around hopefully fingers crossed but then yeah. again 2019 is a loaded year so we'll yeah. see um but let's move into spoilers fully um is there anything you guys specifically want to talk about with this i mean it's largely just just the end and how much it wrecked yeah. you yeah <laughs> yeah it's not like that's the comparison i have for Toy Story in a lot of ways. It's the, if you love something, let it go. Or, I mean, but this is a little bit different, but like, it's that idea. Right. Of, um, like, 
I mean, there's the, like the first ending of like him like letting Toothless like, okay, you're no longer my dragon mm-hmm. anymore. Saddle off all that jazz. And then there's like the end end. The yeah, de- it's like a decade later, three years. I don't know how long. They don't. Is. I don't think they specify how it, much time has passed. Right, enough for him to like become a hunter or whatever. The case but is. it's got to be like yes. I would probably say like five to seven years. Okay, yeah, that's where. You get like you get because it does. It gives you two things. It gives me like the oh, they're returned and they're having a day. Like they're their best friends. It's the one day on shore thing right. from Pirates of the Caribbean or something. I don't know. And then <laughs> it goes with oh, now the dragons have to go away forever now, or mm-hmm. until peace can be ring out on Earth or whatever the case is. The appointed mm-hmm. time. And then it's just like the with the, the first ending was like a a punch to your face. This is like a hammer is just repeatedly smashing into you um, <laughs> emotionally. And I was like, I don't even care about any of it. Like, uh. I, mean, I, I mean, I didn't at the time, right. like 90 minutes ago or 120 minutes ago. I don't forget how long this movie is. I think it's around two hours. Yeah. I was like, okay, I've got to see this one. Not, not particularly stoked or whatever. And then I got to the end. I'm like, Oh, this is, this is really well done. See, I think it was almost not like, Especially it's totally the, a total reverse for me, but like the first, I mean, the first ending where the dragons go away definitely was crushing because it's just like, oh man, like Toothless saying goodbye to Hic- or Hiccup saying goodbye to Toothless and vice versa, and then all the dragons leaving. I was like, that was like, like heartbreaking because it's just like you make you like you think of like, oh, like if you, like if you ever lost a pet or if like you have a pet currently, you're like, oh man, I could never say goodbye to like my dog Dawson. Like no way. Like I was just like, all right, Dawson, go go live outside and be free. Like no way. A he would probably not last very long, and B I could just not I could not let that happen. Um, but then so the actual like the ending ending like after the time jump, I found that like a little more like heartwarming. Where like. They crushed my heart, and then they were coming back to like pick up the pieces and try to like put it back together. Where they're like, no, but like, so they had to go be separated. They all had, like they have their families now. They're yes. separated, but they still remember each other. They can still like mm-hmm. reconvene and have this like great time. I was like, oh, that's like so nice. And it's like getting to visit it. the fa- farm that all dogs go to <laughs> right. after they leave. Exactly. That's okay. <laughs> okay. But yeah, I, I love I love the ending. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just especially being a nostalgic person. Um, just like the, the whole message of having to let go to something important is just like really hits you. And especially, I mean, even at the end, like you said, it kind of, it tries to piece it together, but it's still pretty sad. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know that like, they're obviously not going to continue to like interact forever. Like they're probably Mm going to go apart again, especially the devotion they show that they have towards one another during the movie. Like, especially when he's about to, uh, like let himself die to save toothless right stuff like that so. oh yeah that was oh man i was like don't yeah. you like, somebody better <laughs> save him somebody better save him like that's another thing too it, it didn't feel like predictable to me the no. movie i kind of thought like i i had heard it had an emotional ending so i kind of started to pick up that they might be going the route of him having to let him go mm-hmm. for some reason but i mean other than that like like moments like that where he's like letting himself go to save toothless like you're sitting there genuinely thinking like they could go that route because they've gone somewhat dark in the past couple movies so mm-hmm. they could do that again you know i also really like uh speaking of like the ending like the action of the movie like the opening like heist oh, yeah. i thought I that was that like so well yeah. done like it gave me one of my favorite frames of the movie of them of hiccup and toothless walking, walking through, through the, the fire. fire i was like mm-hmm. oh yes love that shot so yeah. much um and then just like getting to like see like like these kids who are like they're probably still like I don't know like seventeen, eighteen at this point in this movie. How they have their like and mustaches? Yeah, they're and like stuff. they're growing out yeah. their facial hair, trying to yeah, in some cases. <laughs> and but like they're also like they are maturing. In the fact that like 
you go to the first movie and they're just like the handful who are trying to like be like worthy enough to like be part of like a dragon slaying army now they're like leading a we ride dragons and protect people and we protect dragons from people sort of thing so like mm-hmm. i love the i love the full arc that they go on and like i said i think a lot of those other characters are handled really really well where it's really just jonah hill's character who like the the oh like i'm after your mom hiccup sort of thing i was like it was funny like the first couple times and then like it kind of grew old for me and then his rivalry with uh kit harrington's character i was just like that kind of i think that was kind of a more for the kids because like yeah. I, I, bro- I took my younger brother and sister to see it and they were like laughing hysterically every time he right. said yeah, something about the mom you know well, i didn't find it creepy it was just like a your mom yeah. oh no kids. no yeah it wasn't yeah. creepy it was just more like you've done this it just kind of like yeah times. overdone but it worked for the it worked for the somewhat target audience i would right. say okay. so yeah i just yeah. i love jonah hill and then kristen Wiig yeah. also so. yeah i mean her annoying the heck out of grimmel uh to get free like that was that was one of the funniest moments in the movie because he's just like going on oh i hate when people just talk and talk and talk and mm-hmm. learn to shut up i was just like this is so funny yes uh because there's letting kristen Wiig just monologue for like three minutes i think anytime you give her the floor uh i was just watching Unrelated, but hot, but um, but hot American Summer five years later, okay. and she just gets to have like a her one one woman talent show for like yeah. ten minutes of the movie, <laughs> and I was like, thank you. Whoa. Um, anything else? I mean, I don't know. Like, I think we pretty I much I, yeah, covered all the pieces. Yeah. This is very light on, at least for me. Like, I don't want to push us too far here. No, I, I, no, I don't. I don't think there's really a lot to really dive into other than like, I mean, do you like? They ended it in a. I think in a pretty hard fashion to a certain extent where it's like, mm-hmm. Oh, like maybe the dragons and people can like coexist like down the line. But I think right now they're still at the point in this world where that can't be the case. And so the people are on new Burke and then the dragons are in the hidden world. And that's kind of the, the line's been divided. Yeah. Do we want to see a how to train dragon four? Or like, do we, are we ready to call this set in the colonial era? <laughs> I don't, see, this I don't is going back that. to toy story. This is kind of the same way. I thought yeah. it ended perfectly to the point of where like, I honestly don't know if I want to see a sequel yep. because I'm afraid it's going to tarnish mm. the ending of this one. I, yeah, I, I'm in the same boat, even though I think there's more to do with How to Train Dragon 4 than Toy Story 4. Yes. Like, Toy Story 4, I still don't know what that story is tech, like totally, but like How to Train Dragon 4, I could see it being like, all right, like now there's been like a whole generation of people who know that like dragons aren't bad and like maybe that word is spread and like whatever, and you could get them all back together and then but i think that kind of defeats on. it too because like the ending they kind of it almost feels like they kind of tie it into real life today yeah i mean like this is why you don't see dragons anymore because we weren't able to like there were just too many like bad people out there right. that wanted that didn't understand dragons so the so. hidden world is out there yes <laughs> so there's dragons i'm a believer i i would love that that'd be, i'd love <laughs> to have my own toothless <laughs> that'd be great baby night furies how else would oh, they film yeah. cutest thing ever so the dragons good. in game yeah. of thrones that was That's so fan servicey but i was like oh, yeah. they're adorable i loved i love that they were like oreos because they're like <laughs> mixtures of white yeah. and black i was like that was great <laughs> um especially too because like my in my tumblr days like so much fan art like what would baby night fury look like and then they finally like toss those yeah. out there and it's like all right there you go oh i did <laughs> Speaking of, like, what would Night Fears look like? I did love the one moment where, uh, I don't know what the larger friend's name is, but, like, when he's trying to sketch out, like, what a Light Fury looks like, and he's, like, doing his own sketches. Like Christopher Herman's plots. Yeah, plots. yeah, his his character. Yeah, and I forget. He's he's sketching them out, and then, like, Hiccup is just like, no, like, no, change this, change this. It looks like this. He's like, you know what? 
just go get your drawing of Toothless and just draw over it again. Just make it white. <laughs> it's, like, yeah. it's exactly the same. He's like, why did you tell me that a couple days ago? It's just like, it's just like little moments like that. Like, it is really funny. It's got really good heart. Great story. Uh, we'd all obviously recommend it. And yeah, we- I'd recommend the whole series, especially to you, Josh. Yeah. Go back and watch them again. I have the, yeah. I, yes, I have the ambition to now. Even so. though I think the second one's my least favorite. It's it's tough to say. I I think I'd rate the first one a five. The second one, I'd probably go four and a half again, too. Okay. And then and this one's a four yeah. and a half. So I think I would rank the third one over the second one, but I think it's pretty close. So you'd go one, three. I'd also go one, three, two, yeah. I think. But uh, are we in agreement that it's the second best animated trilogy of all time? I mean, I guess I'd it's have been to tough for you to say, Josh. I, see, um, Toy Story is definitely number one. Yeah. Um, then what's what's two like Shrek? I, yeah, it's the only other thing I could think of. But I Madagascar. Think, like. I would just say uh, Shrek. I love the first two, but that's it. So How to Train Your Dragon's a more complete story. Uh-huh. So I would go. I would give the edge to How to Train Your Dragon. Yeah, I just I need to think about that. I'm okay. not ready for it. Animated trilogy though. That's a very specific right thing. So I'll think about that. Like, Shrek won't qualify. Like How to Train Your Dragon three. I think. Uh, when you think of all the great animated movies out there, it's got a it like ranks up with some of those. Oh yeah, like when you think about it, like I'm just thinking Pixar wise. Mm-hmm. Like um, this is like a, it, I mean, uh, I mean, it's not, it's like oh, it's a top ten Pixar movie, but like that's ten out of twenty. So it's mm-hmm. like, I mean, I still probably would probably put like if had, but like Hadrian Dragon, whatever, it would fall in the Pixar ranking or whatever. There are those Pixar sort of vibes to this whole franchise, yeah. which uh, I think is one of the reasons why it's so successful. Yeah, it definitely so stands loved. out amongst DreamWorks for sure. Right. So uh, I think that's all we have to say on Hydrogen Dragon, The Hidden World. Me and Colton give it four and a half ticket stubs out of five. Josh gives it four ticket stubs out of five here. And we'll be right back in a bit with the news. And we're back with the news, and as always, we'll start with our three main topics this week, starting with A Quiet Place 2. Shh. Say it quieter. Sorry. We'll be starting with A Quiet Place Part 2. Thank you. Some very exciting news. Will John Krasinski return to direct? He will return to direct. I can't, can't whisper the whole time because <laughs> people won't be able to hear it. So, yes, the big news this week came from Deadline after a tease from Krasinski himself. Uh, that he is, in fact, returning to direct A Quiet Place 2. Dylan also confirmed that Emily Blunt is set to return to star. What about the kids? And that's a great question, Colin, because THR later confirmed that Melissa Simmons and Noah Jupe will also return to star in the movie as well. Those, are, those are helpful questions. Yeah, those, Way that, to ask that, those. That really helped me get through the news in a really progressive did and you, did quick he get a, Did he get I'm a just, rundown? I'm just a curious... Curious boy looking for some Quiet Place news. All right. Well, you're and in the right it. spot. <laughs> so you listen to the right podcast here because that's what we're going to give you. Um, and I don't think any of this is like too surprising. Like I feel like this no. is the direction we were heading in. It's for... more of like if they didn't go this route, what are they doing? Right. <laughs> so, but like, I think now that they are, in fact, back, like – you can't just do the same. You can't pick up this right afterwards. But all right, now we're in the basement, and now we've got two of these things coming. Like, mm-hmm. it's like you have to do yeah. something else. 
So like, where are we going with a quiet place too? Now that the Abbott family, the remaining members of them are back, I'm assuming the baby will still be there as well. Uh, I would add some years to it and pick up from there. Okay. Yes. Be- especially too, because kids grow like weeds right now. So you could, <laughs> you, you could be like, it's been five years or whatever the case is, or two years. Right? I think it's, a- although the prospect of working with a baby would be intriguing just to see like how they do that. I think we got enough of that in the first one to where, um, I'd just like to see another, like right. the kid well, kind of grown up a little bit. So what they could, what toddler they, maybe. What they could do, since I mean, the the first movie probably filmed in twenty seventeen, mm-hmm. probably. So they're filming the sequel this summer, supposedly, mm-hmm. uh, with a twenty twenty release date already set for May of uh, next year. So I think they could do a small time jump, and then you could kind of replicate the dynamic that existed before. The first movie, you just take the kid that dies in the first right. one and you pop, just, <laughs> pop him put him movie. right back in there. He'd, he'd be playing a different character, uh, technically. I'm pretty but, sure he's just wearing a bonnet, what? right? <laughs> but like, you could, I, I think that would be interesting to see them have to deal with another like three year old or whatever, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. that's like, like last time we had one of those, like, it right. didn't end very well. So, like, what, what would change this time around? I mean, I love how simple the first movie was, mm-hmm. like, with its setting and everything, but I would like to see them almost expand the world a little bit mm-hmm. and have them run into more. Not like, I don't want to compare it to bird box, but you know, that kind of setting like yeah. where you kind of see more of the world, um, which I guess you don't really see too much of it in bird box other than the river scenes. But yeah, you're going to have to take us into like a city or some kind yeah, of, yeah, something like that. Yeah. That's surviving off of like, just like have them run into other families dealing with the same problem right mm-hmm. which is this is what i found kind of interesting about the whole thing because when krasinski was first approached and like discussing whether or not he would return to write or direct he was talking about how he doesn't really he's not really super interested in sticking with one family forever because he thought like that was where sequels kind of failed and he was more interested in the wider world that is also being affected by the same uh monster invasion so i'm wondering if like he, they, there's a compromise between him and the studio where they're like, listen, we want you to make the sequel, but we also like don't want to lose Emily Blunt. <laughs> like we want her to still be around. Yeah. So can like they still be involved? Her but twin then, sister. But then, <laughs> but then like maybe the plot is all right. Well, they've now figured out that high frequency noise hurts the the creatures. So is it them going to those neighboring you know silos and those houses news. and being like, all right, guys, this is how we survive. And basically, like, setting up some sort of, like, safe haven in this apocalypse. Like, I think, like, that would be an interesting way to go about it. And then maybe the people there don't, like, gel well or whatever. It's like there's conflict there with the people. But then there's also the other creatures that are still around there. So I feel like that's probably the best way to go about it. Because that way we get something different while also still somewhat similar. Yeah, because the tension in the first one really came from just the family dynamic. Mm-hmm. And so if he's going to spin this out into the wider world now and be like, all right, let's do world building, that there's going to be dread. It's going to be like Walking Dead survivor drama Yeah, this time around. And that'll be okay because we haven't seen that yet before. And it'll be refreshing and yeah. new. And we won't roll our eyes and be like, oh, great, here comes the general with his tank and he's going <laughs> to roll down the prison walls or something like that. When you said, when you were talking about cities, Mm -hmm. I just, I thought of Walking Dead season one with like Atlanta just completely empty. I feel, I think of something like that or like I Am Legend, you know? Yeah. Something, a setting like that. That could be cool. I just wonder like, I mean, I I guess if there's a, like a small time jump, they can be like, oh, since they cracked the code, they've been traveling across the city going to like a more like fortified location. Indiana Jones dot map. Yeah. <laughs> All the way across the United just States. Just like quick cut scenes of Emily Gunn with it, Emily Blunt with a shotgun, just like mm-hmm. killing a creature. <laughs> 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 
All right. Next location. Reverse screen screen all around. It's just like, wait a minute, that looks familiar. But I am I'm I'm very stoked about this. Just because it's like an Emily Blunt action movie, genre action movie in like a lot of ways. And although we can get we get that with Sicario, but and also Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow. And Mary Poppins. And Mary Poppins, of course. Like who could forget the Emperor? There were some fight scenes in there, right? I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get so. to see that yet. No, no, there were uh, not. There were there were many dance numbers. <clears throat> Think about it though. Maybe dancing is fighting it. in a lot if, of countries. If applied to yes. combat, you could probably injure somebody very mm-hmm. violently with you give, dancing. You give someone flossing two swords. Ooh, <laughs> the but dangerous the danger potential there. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, this I think this is great. And then also Melissa Simmons is going to be able to give back and then begin her paycheck and all that thing. Yeah, no, Jupe as well. Mm-hmm. He'll get to develop and then eventually be an Eternal. So great stuff. Being Eternal. I have no idea. Like cast in Marvel's Eternal movie. Yeah. Are oh. they are they kids? There's one kid, but they want a female. So maybe they go to Melissa Simmons. Oh yeah. My my go. choice is Millie Bobby Brown. Personally, big star, big name. But well, maybe we probably won't get on that ever. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think this is all good news. And I think at this point we're kind of just waiting to see what exactly it all means. But since this is supposed to start shooting later this year, we probably shouldn't be too much longer before we know like what the plot is, what the setting is, what other cast members are going to be around because they're obviously going to, they're not just going to keep just these three people. Like they're going to get other people involved. So any like, Oh, I want this person. Ooh, probably. I have no idea. Actually, I, I mean, even thought about this other than naming office characters. Yeah, I was gonna say Rain <laughs> Wilson. <laughs> like that'd be oh, like Rain Wilson. Rain Wilson. I could so see him as like this crazy. I've been like on my own and living in the wilderness for like a couple of years. Chris Pratt and John Krasinski are buds. They are. So I could see Chris Pratt jumping in on board because he was so enthralled with the first one, and as we saw this week from that trailer for that Ethan Hawke movie. Oh yeah, that's coming out. That, that's that, directed by Vincent D'Onofrio. That's directed by Vincent D'Onofrio. And I think he is in it as well. I didn't Probably, actually. Watch yeah, the I remember trailer. it being directed by someone weird. <laughs> and then Chris Pratt could be a bad guy in that with a beard. Bring Matt Damon He's, in. Ooh. And then he could. They are. Friends. They could make like another love story there, and it could be like an adjustment bureau oh all my over goodness. again. Goodness. You really think that Miss Abbott would would go against and already try to find love? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be really soon. I don't know about that. But I don't know. Some don't people know out there are shallow. Not saying Emily own. Blunt's character is shallow, but you don't know. <laughs> you, yeah, that's yeah, true. That's, you put Matt Damon in front of her and we'll find out. <laughs> yeah, Krasinski's going to write that for <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. Come on. Hey, he's going to be like, <laughs> come here and make out my best friend. No. <laughs> no. Uh, all right, let's move on to Chris Hemsworth and his next role, or one of his next roles, according to THR, will be to play Hulk Hogan in a biopic. The film will be directed by Todd Phillips, the director of The Hangover, the upcoming Joker uh, origin movie with Joaquin Phoenix, um, and the movie is going to Netflix. So a really big combination of moves here with Hemsworth, Phillips, Netflix, and Hulk Hogan. The movie itself will not cover Hulk Hogan's entire life, though. It'll just focus on his rise to fame and the start of Hulkamania, as it's uh, been known to have been called. So uh, this seems like a really interesting casting for Hemsworth because it could go one of two ways, especially with Phillips on board, because you could go the hangover side and get this really comedic, like, rise to fame, like, maybe, like, slightly mocking Hulk Hogan, even though he is an executive producer on the films. I don't know how much of a way you could get away with that. Mm-hmm. Or you go the opposite direction, go into, like, a War Dogs territory or a Joker territory with Phillips and go, like, this is, like, the gritty, like, 
character focused, like rise to like fame of Hulk Hogan and all of his problems that he went through. I think that's are we getting are we getting either of those or is it going to be a mixture? <laughs> Could be a mixture, but I think the second option. Um, I won't say too much more about this because I don't really have much interest in it. I'll probably watch it just because Chris Hemsworth mm-hmm. is yeah. involved. But my the most excited I am with this news is just to see what he's going to look like. Right, <laughs> that's exactly where I'm yeah. at too. I have no interest in a Hulk Hogan biopic. I think there are fifty thousand other biopics that need to be done before Hulk yeah. Hogan. Um, even fake biopics of like I'd rather see the Lonely Island pick this. Yeah, more <laughs> yeah, more pop star type. Yeah, exactly, things. like it's it's a fake sport, and you're doing a biopic about someone in that fake sport. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, why? No, I I mean, good. It's it's a good move for Netflix and like the ooh analytical side. And Hemsworth, it'll be fun to see him do something that's not science fiction. Yeah. I'm gonna rush was mm-hmm. great. Fantastic. Mm, probably his best role. But I don't care. Okay. And Hulk Hogan, I mean, he killed Gawker, so I don't like him. <laughs> right. Like, like I mentioned at the top of the show with Fighting with My Family, uh, I'm not a WWE person, so I don't really have any really history with Hulk Hogan other than like knowing who he is because he's Hulk Hogan. Mm-hmm. And But like I think Hemsworth, for one, is a great choice to play him because I think he can do either version of the movie that could exist he could go the funny side or he could go the i think it'd be an interesting turn to have him go like more of a character focused piece and uh, go through that way but and since kind of none of us are really that interested in the premise of the movie i do want to pose this question of hulk hogan producing his own biopic because we've seen this happen lately i mean the uh the rest one the, the main star of fighting the family was a producer or it was um, involved with the story of her mm-hmm. own movie. Bohemian Rhapsody was obviously consulted on by the band members of Queen and has been one of the big hiccups with that movie is people saying they made themselves look way too good and Rami and <laughs> Rami make Freddie look like the villain of the film or that they didn't show everything. So are we okay with Hulk Hogan being an executive producer of his own biopic or should that just like this practice not happen? I wish he wasn't involved, but that being said, Luke already said I'm not really too, don't really care either way. <laughs> it's, it's going to Netflix, yeah. too. What did, you, what, what did you expect Netflix to pick up some kind of controversial film? Like, if this had been HBO, I mean, I would have been like, whoa, because HBO takes shots at everybody. I mean, like, they're fighting off Michael Jackson lawsuits, like like you're, so like you're saying. Um, but, that, but, like, Netflix is also in the business of we have to get as many views as possible. Exactly. So, like, wouldn't a quote-unquote controversial Hulk Hogan biopic be more no, beneficial for I think well, you no. can also market that he's involved in his yeah you can put him on press a, tour know, yeah. and all that jazz yeah. so yeah it, it, is, it is a great point though like if you're co-producing your biopic that should just be treated as like nothing then. right it's uh, yeah and that's why like, well, I'm posing this not in the well does it change how interested we are in the Hulk Hogan biopic more of just like any biopic like if I don't know like let's say like there's a DiCaprio biopic in the works and maybe, I don't know if this is true or not, but let's just say for, you know, arguments re- this, um, that Leo had this like terrible past with like uh, crimes and drugs and everything. And he's just like, he's like, no, I don't want to show any of that for my mm-hmm. like pre twenties days of all of my struggles. Let's just focus on how I became the most popular actor in Hollywood. What about something like straight out of Compton. Exactly. Yeah. That's um, what I was thinking of. They kind of, I feel like they, didn't they shy away from some things, but they kept some others in there? They did Especially shy away Dre. from yeah, from some aspects Dre. of it. I don't know yeah. how 
involved he was in the movie. You can tell that they were like, well, if we want to get life rights and things right. like that with this. Which they... is, yeah, which again is the, always the tricky part about doing these biopics about people who are still around alive. Like a Celine Dion biopic was announced this past week too. And it's just like, she's going to executive produce it again. It's just yeah. like, it's like, why not like wait until these people are like no longer with us? And then like, you'd probably have to deal with the family estate and everything, but it'd probably be a lot. You could maybe get some other things by Less them. Biased, yeah. Um, yeah. Than just being like Hulk, being like, well, no, I don't want to show my entire life story because of recent things that he's done that are more controversial than him just becoming a really famous wrestler yeah. in the seventies. I'm not famous. proud of this moment. Yeah, Keep right. it out of the movie. You know? Right. I mean, like, it just becomes it becomes another staple for his le- his own legend that mm-hmm. he gets to tell. Hulk Hogan doesn't need more fan, you know, fan. Not fan, I'm gonna say fan service, but he doesn't need more. Uh, PR. That's what this movie will be. Like, here's Hulk Hogan wrestling. Like, if you're gonna do a tell a WrestleMania story, just get the producers and then run with it from there, or something like that. But don't make him the focus of it, because yeah, it just lionizes him or anything like that. All right. So, so let's move on then to Black Widow, because there were rumors, been circulating for the last couple of weeks or even months now, maybe that the Black Widow movie uh, at Marvel Studios, starring Scarlett Johansson, could be. R-rated, but Kevin Feige confirmed to comicbook.com this week that that was, quote, never going to be. So uh, it looks like we are for sure getting a PG-13 Black Widow movie, just like she's been in all of her previous MCU appearances. So I think this obviously makes a lot of sense because she's been PG-13 before. She has fans who probably aren't of 17 years of age anyways, so you'd be blocking out that entire market of young girls who've been watching the MCU movies as of late and be like, oh, I love Black Widow. And now, oh, wait, I can't go see her movie because mm-hmm. there's cussing or blood or sex or whatever. Like, that is like, why would you do that if you're Disney? Especially because it's Disney, the most family friendly studio ever. The studio that like photoshopped cigarettes out of photos of Walt Disney at Disneyland so they don't promote smoking anyways. Like, this is Disney we're talking about. And I think, I mean, it would have been interested in already in Black Widow movie. Sure. Like, that'd be an interesting decision to take, but. I am much more like I I'm not surprised at all that it's going to be PG-13. So, no, I didn't even know this was a thing. Right, exactly. <laughs> so. Like when you I think you either texted it to me or something like you said something to like me in the pre-show. Uh-huh. I'm like that was even a like what? <laughs> like I was just so whoever was running with these rumors or like dreamed up in their head an R-rated Black Widow movie, yeah. you weren't thinking of Marvel's Black Widow. Same thing as Ryan Johnson's Star Wars trilogy being G-rated. Yeah, or, did, yeah that was know. a funny that, one. Yeah, that, that definitely felt was that that was comedy though, right? I I don't know. I felt like that was the case. <laughs> it was it was just one of the he just applied guys. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. On. That's that's what I saw. I'm like, this seems like a joke, but maybe I don't know this case here is one of these things where it's like, like you laid out right at the top Cooper, why they have no reason to mm-hmm. at all. They're, they're like absolutely ludicrous. You don't get to see. Yeah. It just sounds like some, uh, blogger fantasy, I think, or not. Blo- I don't even say that. Cause that's, that, that's not even right. It just, is, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm lame. I don't even know the right words. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to dance around saying pervert, but well, okay. Well, I, <laughs> like I, someone being like, well, this is what I want my Marvel black no. widow movie. <laughs> and like they're in their, you know, that's I, I the, think, I think there's, that's the image. There, there, there's there's a, there's a jump you can make there. But, uh, from the two different people that I saw 
reporting that it could be R-rated. I don't think that's the case. Okay. So it's, gotcha. I think that's more of a thing of like they heard it from somebody and the two people that were reporting on it they don't like each other. So they're hearing it from two different people, obviously. Mm-hmm. So there was there had there there must have been some person or two people at Disney who were like, Yeah, you know, I've heard maybe they would do it R rated. Oh, and that was like, changed the game a little And that bit, was one of like maybe. the early discussions of like when they first started doing it. Like, you know what? Like maybe we should do it R rated just to like change it up to give us something different. And then Kevin and Alan and Horn and Bob Iger were like, No. Two <laughs> writers P- in the writers. PG thirteen. And then like, yeah, nope. Yeah, like, no, it's not happening. It's PG thirteen. You guys can push it and make it a little edgier than our regular Peach Thirteen movies, but you're not going into R and diving into that territory. Is this like a tacit confirmation then from Kevin Feige that a Black the, Widow movie's happening? A Black Widow movie's happening? I guess, yeah. Because I was just thinking about I this. I didn't think about that either. I was <laughs> like, wait a minute. He didn't even say there are. This is going to be a Black Widow movie. All this has been like trade reporting. And yeah. I won't say speculation, but just trade reporting. And then Kevin's like, no, the Black Widow movie's not going to be. And then all of us are like, like we're so yes the Black Widow movie is happening none of us have been like wait a minute wait a minute did he just confirm it yeah that's a good point I think uh, yes he that is I'd have to go back and read the full article to see if maybe there's an introductory like, if uh, there would be right like part of the sentence or quote or anything but like I think yeah it's a good point but you know since Black Widow is not going to be R-rated is that something that at any point do you guys think we'll get an MCU movie that is R-rated at any point in the future no uh, 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 no, I think we're done. I think Deadpool Christmas Holiday Special Edition PG-13 release was a trial run for Disney or for the writers and everybody at mm-hmm. Fox Studios because they want to keep making Deadpool movies. Right. But Bob Iger said that like they want to keep making R-rated Deadpool movies as long as they can clearly show that it is not... A Disney movie, so I think the plan is yeah. after the Disney Fox deal closes, is that Fox Studios or 20th Century Fox, or whatever, is still going to be around. And so I think it'll just be a matter of, well, the Deadpool movies will still be a Fox production, even though it's technically part of Disney, and that way they can still make already movies under that banner. So m- maybe what we could see happen is whether or not Deadpool three or whatever would be part of the MCU. I think that's a different discussion. Yeah. Um, if they do want to make, like, let's say now that Punisher is canceled too on Netflix, but like Kevin Feige is a huge fan of John Bernthal. And he's just like, you know, I want to make this guy a movie on big screen, but I don't want to diminish and make it a kid friendly Punisher movie. So we're going to go R rated, but I'm going to put it over at Fox and do it that way. And that's how we get a R. I don't think it's totally out of the question. I think at some point down the road, Marvel can't just keep making PG 13 movies and let that be the case. So I think at some point in the future, uh, there will be an R-rated Marvel movie coming from Disney slash Fox. That is but in the MCU. MCU. That's in the MCU? That's in the MCU. I don't know. I still don't see it. I just, like with Deadpool 2, I don't think he would belong in the MCU just because of his uh, hmm. self-awareness. Okay. I think that would just detract from what's come before and what's currently going and what's going to be. So Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a good point. I just don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't see... Marvel Studios moving forward after getting the rights back to all these characters and still being like, all right, Fox, like you can keep doing your own thing because if once the deal closes, as long as the Spider-Man deal with Sony continues on, every Marvel movie that is made will be under the Disney banner, which will yeah. theoretically make it under the MCU banner. So it would just be weird to me to have every Marvel movie be, yes, we're all part of the same universe, mm-hmm. except for Deadpool. 
because I feel like Deadpool could well, play off of all that stuff really well, even if he's not like part of the meta ness of the character. Right. True. I, otherwise, it would just be Deadpool being like, well, you know, I wish I was uh, invited to all these crossovers. I'm the only one who's not. <laughs> I just, I don't, I still feel like they have so many uh, ideas on the plate. Yeah. On the table that, like, the Fox properties aren't going to necessarily be introduced right away no so i think we still have like a long ways away before we get into like r-rated territory if it gets that way yeah which that's um, true yeah that would require them to like evolve a lot too so like i think we're probably like when we're 2019 like we're four years away minimum i think from getting a marvel studios x-men fantastic four whatever like we're 2023 is i think the earliest one of those movies comes out in theaters so uh so yeah okay you guys are not on board for R-rated movies. Uh, I mean, no, or I'm on. What it is. You're on. You're on board yeah. for it. You just don't think it'll happen. Uh, well, yes. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. And anything R-rated in the Disney world will just have like a blood splatter here or there, and then like maybe one use of uh, like of a swear word, <laughs> and, or like one or two like that they can't do, but they already drop. Yeah, if you do one, you plenty. can still get Peach of the Steam. So. Right. Exactly. Um, Kevin Feige said to comicbook.com, it was never going to be. I hear it's R-rated, and then everybody writes it up, as it turns out, the rumor, and then that's it. That's okay. his quotes. Hmm. So it's very So it's like vague. semi-confirmation. It, no, yeah, it was never going to be is that's pretty much oh, a confirmation. Oh, so it's, it was I, going it, to be something in the first place, you know? It, yeah, so well, it's kind of confirming it. It exists, yeah. and it's being worked on. I guess it's not an official announcement, not in yeah. production or anything like that yet, so I guess yeah. Yeah, Which, technically a confirmation. On that point, he also, I believe it was also to comicbook.com, said that <clears> they're not going to announcing their plans until after Spider-Man Far From Home, which makes sense because they'll be uh, Comic-Con like two weeks after that and then D23 a couple weeks after that. Mm-hmm. So we'll get new Marvel movies announced in the next couple of months here. And he also said that when they do make those announcements, it's not going to be a here's five to six years of movies sort of thing like they did in 2014 where they announced every movie from 2014 to 2019. Like they're not going to do that long of a thing. They'll probably just do like a couple of years at a time and then roll it out after that so i think that's also really smart yes because he also followed up there are no mandates to make any more than two films a year yeah which is what they're going to do next year well it's only two movies crazy so i think they'll get back to three and maybe beyond that afterwards not too long afterwards but uh let's move on to ticket or skip it uh, only two trailers to uh discuss and think about and debate over uh, which one gets our ticket that being the second trailer for rocket man and the first trailer for angry birds movie two uh, I guess that also that oh yeah not real western movie but which, I didn't, which I, I did it. not see the trailer for so not giving it a ticket okay so Josh which one does get your ticket this week I, I'm gonna give my ticket to Rocket Man but even then I'm like oh this is starting you, to go do you just want to hold the ticket I just, yeah, do we have can to I give hold, a ticket can I hold I, it I get I mean we've never done this before but sure if you <laughs> if you want to hold the ticket I yeah like maybe like at the start of the month we can only have so many tickets we only have four tickets per month ooh think about that all right well anyway well we have, wait, we have to limit that yeah that's a small <laughs> limit the point is yeah i wouldn't yeah if i had to give one it would be to rocket man but at the same time rocket man's looks like it's going a different direction it's going the bohemian rhapsody route and Which, it's weird because like well i don't know like i still enjoyed bohemian rhapsody enough that i gave it four ticket stubs mm-hmm. on the show but at the same time it's it looks like we're just veering into... I don't know what we're veering into with Edgerton. Edgerton looks like he's doing a great Elton John, but I don't know what this movie is going to be at the end of the day. And I don't know. 
So I'm going to hold it. You're going to hold your it, ticket. It looks like we're sliding into, oh, it's just party stuff. And then that's about it. But at the same time, it does look like it's showing like a really cool, the rise of Elton John story. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a Wolf of Wall Street mixed with Bohemian, I would say. That's kind of what it felt like to me. Yeah. So the, is, it, is that getting your ticket then? No, I, I'm going to hold, hold both tickets as well. <laughs> okay. I mean, when it's all said and done, uh, discounting trailers, I'm going to see Rocket Man. I'm not going to see Angry Birds, but both trailers didn't really do it anything for me. All right. Well, I will be the lone one to give a ticket. Mm-hmm. I'll give it to Rocket Man because I did yeah. like I did like the trailer. I liked the the quirkiness of it. How this one gave us the first the first trailer was so like imaginative. Of, like, is this even happening in like a real world setting where like Elton is like floating as he's playing and the crowd is floating too? And it's just like, okay, what's happening here? But this one gave me more of like the story and their approach to the film. And I'm a big fan of Dexter Fletcher, big fan of Taron Egerton, and uh, their last collaboration, Eddie the Eagle, was just like so good and so them coming back together here is nice but i just liked seeing how this you know story is going to play out more like we got to see more richard madden which we had i don't think saw before and then like bryce dallas howard which i forgot she's in this movie and then she's his mom i was like that's "That's right so bizarre um but like it's just i like the feeling that it gave me and like yes it may be a little on the bohemian rhapsody side with again elton john being a producer of the film Mm -hmm. Uh, so they're not probably, they're not getting to everything about his life that people may uh, want to see, but uh, you know, looks like they're going to dive into enough of his personal uh, life, his sexual uh, orientations, and all that kind of stuff. Where I think people will be, I think, pleased with what delivers here. I hope so. I think I'm just going to start like blanketly, no longer, whole, like dishing out pre opinions for biopics <laughs> because like you don't know what's going to be in them. That's true. So let's move on to the flyby here to wrap up this episode, starting with a report from Deadline, where they revealed that the first Purge's director, Gerard McMurray, is set to direct the Silver Bear over at Lionsgate, which is a Michael B. Jordan starring action assassin thriller, uh, which does not currently have a release date. But uh, Gerard McMurray is, I think, a really talented director. The first Purge, not a great movie, but the action in it is phenomenal. So if he can bring those sensibilities paired up with Michael B. Jordan's own action star abilities and bring that together and make the next John Wick sort of a thing for Lionsgate, I think this could be a really great pairing. I'm going to leave it to you to make that. I have not seen the first okay. Purge yet, but... Well, have me- you seen the first Purge or the first Purge? The first Purge I have not seen. <laughs> the fourth Purge. <laughs> yeah, the fourth the, the fourth Purge movie <laughs> That's is about the first Purge. <laughs> That's a prequel to the first Purge. Uh. Or to the first Purge movie. <laughs> Lionsgate but behind an action movie now you they they have the infrastructure and the talent there for McMurray to step into I guess Mm -hmm. because of the John Wick films now um for him to basically start his movie you know and all that jazz to be able to craft it Mm -hmm. and if you say the action's great then it's off to a good start yeah I wish like the star of the first purge is Yolan Noel I believe is his name like if he could get a role in this is like uh Mike B. Jordan's character's like brother or buddy or something that like mm. also fights crime with him and is another assassin like he is he was really good as like an action lead so he'd be my choice for blade if they were remake that so Ooh, there you go any interest in this movie colin oh yeah sure michael b jordan i have not seen the first purge i'll have to trust you or opinion about the action though <laughs> um but yeah i mean as long as it avoids generic action blockbuster territory i think it's going to be 
pretty good. Yeah, I mean, so. I, I anticipate they'll go sort of lower budget on this since it's lesser known properties and everything. Just but like John Wick one, exactly. Good. And then they'll turn it into a massive franchise, um, just like probably won't happen with the next Edgar Wright movie, The Last Night in Soho, which uh, is coming from Focus Features, and they officially confirmed this week that Thomason McKenzie from Leave No Trace and Matt Smith from The Crown and upcoming uh, Morbius in Episode Nine have joined the cast of the Anya Taylor Joy starring Edgar Wright supernatural thriller movie. So. This seems promising casting, uh, really interesting so far, and this sounds good to me. Matt Smith continues to sign up for devious roles. Yeah. I'm here for it. <laughs> Colin? Yeah, I'm Edgar Wright. What more can you want? Yeah. Uh, but uh, who was the – I don't. I didn't know the uh, second guy. Matt Smith? No, not, I knew Matt Smith. Uh, who's the other Thomason guy? Thomason McKenzie. She's uh, the – Oh, her. She's the girl she. <laughs> in Leave No Trace with uh, Ben Foster. Okay, I'm not I'm not familiar with her, but and then she's I'm also assuming in, Edgar Wright's casts are usually top notch, so true. This should be great. She's also in Taiko Waititi's upcoming movie, Jojo Rabbit. So uh, we'll get to see much more of her in the very near future, as we will with Luke Wilson, as Riley reported that he has joined Zombieland Double Tap in a mystery role, uh, just a cameo, probably. Just like uh, okay, like I could see him being like the villain of the movie who just like is there. <laughs> yeah, he's either the villain or he's the celebrity that they'll kill. Like we well, killed like, Luke Wilson, but that, like Luke Wilson, like that's that, not big that's exactly. Yeah. Like, it would be like, like go get Owen Wilson if you want a Wilson, yeah. right? It would be wouldn't be regrettable. Be like you killed Luke Wilson. Well, he is the worst of the Wilsons, <laughs> so <laughs> they just move on without like yeah. any regrets. They just like give him a real quick like they just kill him, move on. It's like oh wait, was that Luke Wilson? Oh okay, that, that, that was it. Uh, Colin, any <laughs> anything else you want to add about Luke Wilson? Nothing. All right. What is Luke Wilson's best? Love movie? him an Anchorman. Okay, yeah. there you go. Will he have both of his arms in this movie, or is he, uh, he zombie apocalypse? Zombie. I mean, what I if he's know. a zombie? That'd a Luke be, Wilson zombie, and he only has one arm, and it's tied and into an Anchorman. Anchor- Ooh, that would be ideal. I am going to go ahead and bet on Luke Wilson having all of his appendages. Okay. All right. We'll find out uh, later this year. No. So uh, yes. we also have a report from Deadline which uh, revealed that David Desmalchin has been added to the cast of Denis Villeneuve's Dune. He's going to play the role of uh, Peter DeVries, uh, which is like a he's like a computer brained person who's like super smart and something. So uh, this is the third film that he's going to be doing with Villeneuve. Yeah, can after you name the other two? Prisoners and Blade Runner 24-9. Oh, both phenomenal movies. Both are. Does that mean Dune's about to be phenomenal? I, I think, think so. so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Weird. Come on, guys. I mean, yeah, David S. Malchin, great guy, great character actor. Uh, I hope that this is a larger role than he got in the last two movies with Denny, but I'll take any role that he I can I mean, get. the cast is already pretty huge. It is. And he just got added, so I think it's going to be a, <laughs> on the smaller side of things, but... Right. I'm not getting my hopes up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just asking for more than four minutes of screen time. <laughs> yeah. Might be so, too much to ask for. But maybe. Either uh, way. Woo, dude. I didn't even know he was in Blade Runner. Yeah, yeah he's he, the cor- oh, he's, he's the, the guy in not the, the corner. Yes, he's, he's always the corner. He is gets he? murdered. Well, a science lab. Yeah, yeah, lab. science lab. Yeah, I was yeah. like, I was like, I know he's like Forensic around death scientists. <laughs> and he yeah. gets his. What happens? She punches him so hard in the spine or the head, or she beats him so hard on the head that it sends uh, his spine, like it fractures he, his uh, spine from the top down. I don't remember. It's a grisly death. Whatever. It I is. thought he was stabbed, but maybe no. no. I thought he was punched in the chest and just started bleeding out i yeah no i think Maybe. she takes him down i just know head. that sylvia hoax is the one who kills him yeah it's gruesome and i'm like wow this movie Something is starting off so grisly i don't know like punches him in the throat either way david know. if you're out there if you're listening uh you're great so yeah you guys are like friends or something yeah right? we're like online buddies oh yeah you interviewed him didn't you <laughs> uh, we've we've exchanged emails mm. twitter dms and mentions he and was stuff in the dark knight as well he was that was mm. his first role 
Yes, there was a was. great he had, first role. He had uh, great things to say with Nolan, mm. obviously. Uh, so let's move on and end this episode with some release date changes that happened. Uh, Space Jam 2 is officially happening, officially dated for July 16th, 2021, starring LeBron James, Bugs Bunny, the whole rest of the Looney Tunes gang. Uh, this is good news, exciting. I mean, mm, yes. Didn't we already have a release date? We did not. We did not have a release date. This wasn't something in the summer where they're like... Don't believe so. And they posted the photo I, of the I locker think, room. I think, I think there was some... They just announced it was officially happening. There was. The, the, I think was? there was a photo of a locker room where it had like jersey numbers and it like spelled out 2021. And it was like, oh, like it's coming 2021. Uh, yeah. But now we have like an actual like July 16th is the date. Which, interesting enough, I didn't even realize this. When the movie comes out, it'll be the same summer that LeBron James can potentially opt out of his contract with the LA Lakers. So that could be fascinating. <laughs> is it like, wait, what are you suggesting? I then? just thought like, I think it's funny that he moves to LA to make more movies and stuff. And the year that his first big movie could come out, he could potentially no longer be with the Lakers by the time it hits theaters. Oh. <laughs> I just think that'd be funny. Yeah. Or if it's like set up where like the movie starts, he's the Laker and then like <laughs> they had to reshoot the ending. Cause now he's like a Houston rocket or something. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, we also have uh, Godzilla vs. Kong that got moved up from, uh, late May of 2020 up to March 13th of 2020. So uh, this should be, this is good news, obviously, because now it's coming out earlier. It's not going up against Fast 9. And uh, now I know what I'm going to be doing on my birthday night next year, going and seeing the opening night of Godzilla's Kong. <laughs> hey, yes, great. It's going to be good. Uh, and then we also got so. word from uh, Fox that James Mangold's Ford vs. Ferrari movie was moved from this summer to November 15th of 2019. Good move for that movie because it's out of the summer season where it probably get buried, and and it's now in the Oscar season. And Christian uh, Bale can get nominated. Christian Bale can nominated. Matt Damon can get nominated right after he's done filming A Quiet Place 2. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And James Mangold. Of, and Noah Jupe is also in this movie. So hmm. maybe there's a connection there already. Whoa. So uh, really excited uh, for James Mangold because hopefully this means that this movie is great and we'll all be – you know, up to happy Logan. to look forward to it. Um, and then lastly, we have Kings from the Great Gang, which is supposed to come out on that November weekend of this year, has now been delayed to uh, mid-February of 2020. So not surprised. It just started filming. Cast mm-hmm. is great, but I'm more than fine waiting a couple extra months for the next Kings yeah. movie. So, uh, Especially after the last one, kind of. Yeah, wasn't that great. <sighs> Disappointed. Uh, and now we're going to a prequel with no new, with same of the characters. I, I, don't, I don't know. Who knows how this movie's going to turn out? Prequels. What yeah. are you going to do? What are you going to do about them? Um, so that is all we have for this week. Next week, I think we're going to review Greta. Josh, does that sound okay with you? That sounds great for me. And if it's not, then maybe there's some Netflix movie that's hitting we don't know about. There is always Netflix, <laughs> that's Netflix true. When does the, hitting when does the Ben Affleck about. one come out? I feel like is that's that the, the week after. March 13th or something like that. Zero Dark maybe. Thirsty? No. Yes. <laughs> that's, what, that's what people are calling it. I think oh, it's it okay. That, 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 Okay. That's pretty funny, okay. I thought. Okay, I, I can get behind it. Uh, What's that yeah. one called tri- again? Tri- Triple Frontier. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. I think it's supposed to come out next, yeah. like the week after. I think it's after. after Captain Marvel, actually. I, think, I, I thought it was it. the same like week-ish. I, 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 I think, think it's, it's around. like the middle of, I don't know. Uh, I don't it's know. Weird it doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> maybe we'll review it. Maybe we won't. Uh, maybe we'll review Greta. Maybe we won't. Uh, we'll also <laughs> be back this week with a big question tackling, finally, our best movies of 2018. I know it's been <laughs> coming down in the end of February, uh, but no better it's, time it's, than the it's finally time. The Oscars have happened by the time this uh, has dropped. So now that we've all seen, I think, as many movies as we can for that year, uh, we will finally give out the consensus friends and film top 15 20 
or the consensus top 15 the, movies of 2019. Yes, the consensus compiled by the rules. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> that we've agreed to let, oh yeah, we've agreed yeah, to let it be consensus. So uh, that is all we have. Uh, be sure to tell us your thoughts on everything we've heard by tweeting us at Friends of Film. And you can follow me personally on Twitter at Movie Cooper. And you can get at me, Josh, at just Joshua Ryan. And you can get at me at Believe in Blue. 88. And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share, retweet, and more. Plus, our tunes are going to say five review with comments. Tell us why you enjoy listening to the show. And on that note, thanks again for tuning to the Friends Film Podcast. Josh? She punches him right in the back of the vertebrae and he just comes down like a jello. Oh man, he's just spitting up blood everywhere. We're watching Blade Runner Troy right now. Uh, Colin, any last words? <laughs> you guys already know I'm going to be back whether or not you want me to. All right, we'll take you on your word then and be sure to turn for next week's episode.